going to be talking about inclusive questioning, what it is and why it's a really good strategy to use in lessons. Now, inclusive questioning is where you involve all of your learners in some way, shape or form in their learning, engaged in the lesson because they think they might be asked a question. So it puts them on the spot and it can put them on the spot a little bit, but you're allowing thinking time before that. But it keeps them on their toes so that they know, know, they know that they might have to provide an answer in some way, shape or form. Okay, so it um, enhances their learning. Now, when it comes to inclusive questioning, it's important to allow no hands up because you'll get the same students eager to give you an answer to put their hands up, same ones all the time. And that means that the other students will just sit back and think, oh, no, I don't have to worry about thinking about an answer here because so-and-so will always put their hands up, Miss will always pick so-and-so, so will always pick so-and-so. Okay, so don't allow hands up. Now, when you pose a question, that's the first step, pose. When you pose that question to your students, you will get students that put their hands up straight away, especially in year seven, because they are very eager and they want to give answers and they want to look good. Now, when they do that, encourage the rest of the class to look around at the students who have their hands up, because those students may have the answer. They may not, but they may have the answer. So you could encourage those students to possibly talk to those students, those individuals with their hands up, to try and get the answer from them during the think parent, think parent share phase. Now, you pose a question and then you allow 10 seconds for them just to think, just to think of an answer, to try and formulate an answer. They might not have a clue, okay? Um, but it allows that time for them to at least try and formulate an answer if they can. Now, following this 10 second thinking phase, then allow them to pair with a partner next to them because that gives them the opportunity to go, I haven't got a clue, do you know the answer, <laughs> all right? or even just to discuss the answers, try and find the answer together, all right, and try and formulate the answer as a pair. So allow that pairing time, that's really important, because that can help reduce anxiety to students, because at least they're giving the opportunity to try and find the answer from somebody else, if they can't think of it themselves. Okay, so you've posed the question, you've given them 10 seconds thinking time, you've allowed them to pair with a partner, or in a three, it can be if you've got odd numbers, to try and formulate an answer. The next stage is known as pounce. You now pounce on a student, not literally, pounce on a student to extract the answer from them. So you select the student and you ask them the question to get the answer from that student. Now try to encourage students to provide full sentence answers. You don't want one worded answers. Okay, this is a literacy opportunity and you can make that clear to them. This will develop your literacy skills so make that clear, especially in observation, so your observer knows. But don't allow the one-word answers, okay? Ask the students to formulate full sentence answers for you. Now, you may get a student that goes, Mr, I really don't know. That's fine. Direct the question to another student, okay, to answer. Another student that you know, because during the Think Parents Share stage, I didn't say this, but during the Think Parents Share stage, go around and listen to the conversations the students are having. Okay, listen to the answers that are being given because this is where you can pinpoint the more able students and students that have come up with the best answers that you can direct the questions to. Okay, you can, this also enables you to scaffold a little bit better in your lesson because you're finding the students who are providing deeper, better answers to their partner that you can then scaffold and develop better questions with, sorry, provide stronger, more complex questions to those students so they can provide better answers. So you're building on the learning. It also gives you opportunity to pinpoint those students that are sitting around, not getting involved, sitting back, trying to not be seen, 
or have their own little conversations about what they're going to do at lunchtime or what happened the night before, what happened on Instagram, for example. So you'll pinpoint, you'll find in the group pockets of students that aren't very much engaged in your lesson. And this allows you the time to go over and probe them a bit more, okay? Help them formulate an answer, develop an answer, encourage them to get involved with a pair and make a three to formulate an answer. It also gives you opportunity to move students that are being disruptive and just discussing something else and not involved in learning at all, to put them in certain areas with students that you know they can get the answer from, okay? And you can even say to them, look, I might ask you this question in a minute, so you need to go find the answer and put them in certain areas with certain students. Right, so don't be, um, don't be worried about doing that at all. Your classroom is your classroom. You are the boss of that classroom. If you've got pockets of students sitting around not having the conversation you need them to have, then have that confidence to move them, to sit them with other students, more able students, where they can definitely formulate an answer. Now, following the pounce stage, when that student provides that answer, so you've got a student who you've asked already, and they don't know, sorry, miss, I don't know. You've then asked another student to provide that answer. Go back to the student who didn't give you an answer, who didn't know, and get them to repeat the answer that was given. With the older classes, with the year nines, year tens, year elevens, I would encourage them to actually formulate an answer in their own words. Don't just regurgitate, repeat what that student said. Get them to actually regurgitate, formulate an answer in their own words because it shows their understanding a bit more. Okay, it strengthens their knowledge a little bit more. Okay, but this way you haven't forgotten about that student. You haven't just gone, okay, don't worry about it. Next student, okay, fantastic, know the answer. No, you've got to actually ensure that this student has listened, has listened to what that student has said and has picked up the answer from them. Okay, that's really important. Um, now, following this bit, so you've done the pose, think, pair, and share, pounce. The next bit is your bounce. So from that answer, you then bounce onto another student and set them a more complex question, trying to develop the knowledge a bit further. So for example, I'm a PE teacher, so I would say my question to the class would be, um, what benefit does a warm-up have for our muscles? Okay, and the student might say, well, miss, it warms them up. Fantastic, our muscles warm up because our body temperature increases. I then bounce the question to somebody else and go, well, why is that important for our muscle? How is that going to help in exercise? And they'll then say, well, it increases the pliability or makes them stretchier so you're less likely to tear your muscle. So you're bouncing it onto another student to help develop the answer. And this way, all students are engaged in the learning because they might think, oh, miss is going to pick on me in a second. Okay, so they're put on the spot a little bit, but at least they've had that chance to think, pair and share. Now, in terms of putting students on the spot, this is where you need to know your context data um, in quite a lot of depth. You, know, you need to know it well enough. You need to be, be aware of your students who have SEN needs, who you might not want to pick on publicly because that could demoralise them, it could affect their confidence, especially students that suffer from anxiety. You don't want to put them on the spot. Even after think, pairing and sharing, they still could feel quite anxious about giving the public answer to the class. Okay, so be aware of those students. And then during the think, pairing and share phase, go to those students and ask them the question. Probe, like help them formulate the answer and see what they give you. Okay, so you're helping them develop that answer. And then when you've picked the student to answer the question and they've answered the question to the rest of the class, you can then go, yeah, I've had a very good conversation with so-and-so and she provided me a really good answer as well. Well done. So then you're not publicly humiliating them by putting them on the spot and you're praising them and you're making them feel better about themselves because they're still involved in the learning in some way, shape or form. They're not being left out. 
and they're not being their anxiety isn't being heightened because you're putting them on the spot so make sure you're aware of those students in your lessons please now in terms of repeating the answer you can do this throughout your lesson with number of students you can do it for 30 seconds before they all go off and do the next task so if someone's given an answer right so and so what they said they give you the answer so and so what they said so and so what they said like get them to repeat it and then do it as a whole class now we'll do a video on repetition as well um to show you how to do it and why it's really important to do it but get the students to repeat the answer okay Repeat what they said, put it in their own words, those that are um, more able or older, because it develops their strength and their understanding, develops their understanding. So make sure you do that. Now, if you've posed the question, <laughs> you've allowed them time to think, pair and share. You've asked one student, they don't know the answer. Two students, they don't know the answer. Third student, they don't know the answer. This is where then you need to break down the question a bit more, okay? So what you could do, is go well hands up those of you that do know the answer and go right so look around the room look at those students who have put their hands up and know the answer because they're the ones that you want to go to now to find the answer if you don't know and then before you set them up and give them that 10-15 seconds to do that again to think pair and share again you could break down the question a little bit more so for example in my in my muscles example what effect does exercise have what effect does warm-up have on the muscles then you can say, well, how does your body feel when you start to warm up? Think about the temperature. How, well, how does the, what does that do to your muscles? And then they'll start to think, ah, right, so I get hotter, I get red faced, so my muscles temperature is increasing. So my muscles are getting warmer. So you're helping them, you're not giving them the answer, but you're saying to them, well, what happens to my body temperature when I'm warming up? How might that affect my muscles? So you help, you're breaking it a little bit down you're breaking it down a little bit more to support them, to help them in their learning, because that then gives them a bit more confidence in knowing the answer, helping them formulate the answer even. Now, I have used inclusive questioning in a year 12 lesson where I actually direct a question to every single student in that room. It was an Ofsted lesson, actually. <laughs> um, it was an Ofsted lesson, and Ofsted walked away saying that my lesson was brilliant. Um, because I encourage all my learners to get involved in their learning, every single one was involved in their learning. Now, I had them working collaboratively. Um, again, I'll do another video on collaborative learning, but I had them working collaboratively on a document in small little groups, and each person in that group had a role to play. Okay, They had a job to find key information on a certain part of the topic. So what I was able to do, I had a student who had, I had a couple of students with SCNEs, um, and I directed a question at one of my students with SEM needs. This is a year 12 student, she was confident anyway. Um, but I directed the question to that student. I said, right, so-and-so, I would like you to answer this question. I gave them the question, I said, I'm gonna give you time to find the answer and I'll come back to you. And then I went to a different student and asked a different student the question. Now, I was able to do this because they work collaboratively. So while that student is trying to find an answer and formulate an answer about something, someone else in their group will be providing, will be writing down the answer to my next question. Now, because these were year 12 students, I'm able to ask, ask them a question and they can give me an answer. Okay, I didn't have to do too much think, bear and sharing because it's quite a good class. 
So I directed the question to a more, I directed the question to my SEN student, allowed them the time to think and formulate the answer, while I directed another question to my more able student that I knew could answer the question, the next question. And while they were answering that question, my students in their group were formulating the answer, writing down the answer, typing it up. So the other student didn't miss that answer. So she didn't miss the answer given to this question, if that makes sense. Because I had a student typing up the answer to this question while she was finding out the answer to the next question. That sounds a bit complicated, but it's a lot easier when you put it into practice, okay? So one question to one student, take your time to find the answer. I directed the question to another student who I knew was more able and could give me a good enough answer. Um, and then while they weren't giving me the answer, students in the group were formulating the answer on a document. Okay, so the students aren't missing out. They're not listening to it. They're not um, listening to the answer because I've given them a different task. They're not missing out because other students are providing that um, answer, putting that answer down in the document that they're sharing. And once I've got that answer, I then go back to my student that I asked the first question to and get the answer from that student. Now, because I allowed her time to think, because I allowed her time to formulate an answer, she was able to give me a good answer, okay? Because I gave her that time to do that. Now, that is what Ofsted really like, that you are not just going, oh, so-and-so, what's this answer? I'll give me an answer to this question. They go, miss, I don't know. And you just go on to the next student. Oh yeah, well done. Okay, now next question. No, that's not what they're looking for. Okay, they want to see you involved in every single one of your students, well, as many students as possible, in their learning, or all your students in their learning in some way, shape or form, whether you're directly asking a question to every student or not. Okay, so it allows all students to collaborate, it allows all students to come together and develop their answers and formulate their answers. And it keeps the students on their toes, okay, because they know every lesson that Miss or Sir could ask me, ask me a question, okay, but make sure that you don't ask the same students questions over and over again each lesson. Actually find different students because you will know the capabilities of the students. You will know the students that struggle and might not be able to give you an in-depth answer, might find it hard to formulate an answer compared to those students who will find it really easy and give you a really good answer. Okay, so you can differentiate your questioning by differentiating the way you ask them, breaking it down a little bit more to help that scaffolding process. Okay, to help your learners build on the knowledge and develop their understanding and strengthen their knowledge in the long run. All right, so inclusive questioning, quick recap, is about no hands up. If students do put their hands up, direct the rest of the class to look at those students because they might have the answer. So you might want to go and find out from them um, when you give them time to think, pair and share. So you pose the question, you pounce after you've given them time to think, 10 seconds and another 10, 15 seconds to pair and share and talk to somebody. And during that time, you're going round and you're listening to the students, listening to the students providing answers, those that provide more complex, detailed answers, really good answers, you know you're going to bounce onto them and give them the more challenging question. Okay, suppose, allow them time to think and pair and share. Then pounce, select your student, get the answer from that student, then bounce by providing a more complex question onto another student. Okay, you can bounce again, Okay, if you're able to, if you're questioning um, the questions that you're using can easily be built on, built, can easily be built up from. So if you've, if you've given a really good um, lower level question to start with, then you can build it up one, two, three, four times, go for it. Okay, that's really, really good. Now, if you can't, if the student can't answer the question, 
ask another student, get them to repeat the answer. So-and-so repeat it, so-and-so repeat it. Do that a few times, it doesn't matter, it actually helps them. Um, and with the older year groups, try and get them, or with more able students, try and get them to formulate the answer in a different way, okay? Not just to repeat what they've said, right? Um, know your students, make sure that you're not putting your certain students on the spot, they're having quite high anxiety, um, go to them separately and probe them separately, develop an answer with them, and then you can, pra you can praise them publicly, that's fine. Um, but just trying to put them on the spot because that can increase their anxiety and cause um, more stress levels. Now, another thing I forgot to say actually, in my year 12 lesson where I did collaborative learning, I actually asked the question, I posed it, I gave them time to think, I gave them time to pair and share, and then I asked the student the question. And he went, Miss, I don't know. And I went, okay. Right, I'm going to come back to this question. Another student behind them, I said, right, so-and-so, talk a little bit more with this student, all right, and help formulate an answer, and I'll come back to this question. And I asked a different question to a more able student, because like I said, they were working collaboratively, so someone in their group would be writing down answers. So I posed the question, picked the student who couldn't answer it, so I got him to work with another student for a bit longer, while I asked a different question to a different student, a more able student. And once I got that question from that student, these two were discussing, that's fine. Once I got that question from that student, the rest of the class were listening and writing answers. I came back to the first student and asked again. And they were able to then give me an answer that I could then bounce and develop with other students. Okay, now sometimes you go back to them and go, Miss, I, don't, I really don't know. Well, then you can go. Then you can break down the question a little bit more. Pick on the students that you know will be able to answer it effectively and bounce from student to student to student and then go back to that student at the end and go, right, so what is the answer? What sort of answer can you now formulate and give me and get them to repeat it back to you? Okay, so don't just let students sit back in a lesson and not do anything. Now that sounds quite complex, it is. I've been teaching for years, so I was able to do that. Um, but just start off with pose a question Allow them to think, pair and share, then select the student to answer a question. Then you can build the question and bounce onto somebody else. Okay, so start with the easy stuff first, easier stuff first, just to not overcomplicate matters. And remember, if you've posed the question, you've given them time to think, you then select the student to answer, and they go, I haven't got a clue. You can then break down the question there and then and ask a simpler question to the class. Give everybody time to think, formulate an answer, go back to that student to answer the question, then bounce to another student. Okay, so don't be afraid to do that. If they go, I haven't got a clue, then you can break it down a bit more. Now, like I said, it is a skill, um, but as you practice it more and more, you'll get better at it. Okay, and start with the easier questions. Don't um, make things too complicated. Start with the really easy questions that you know the majority of students will be able to answer. So you don't have to worry about students going, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> it will happen at some point. Um, but that's a skill that you'll develop. You'll be able to break down those questions um, in with your experience and over a long period of time with observing other members of staff. Okay, so inclusive questioning. Pose. Pause is what you should be saying there. Pause. Pose. Pause, that's the thinking time and parent share time. Pounce and bounce. Really good effective technique 
to help your learners all get involved in their learning and it shows that you're engaging all your students in their learning it keeps them on the toes and it will strengthen their understanding and their knowledge in the long run <laughs>